Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dak Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Lily Padman. We have to do a song. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Wobby Wob. Happy birthday to Wobby Wob. How old are you, Wobby Wob? 34. Oh wow, the gosh. ripe old age. Spring chicken. <laughs> we got Monica to sing, too. I know. I did that for you. I've never done that. Know, that thanks. shows how much she loves it you. It does. You know who else loves you? She told me when she left. She was like, is Wobby Wob single? I was like, no, he's married with two kids. She was like, <laughs> Laura Linney, our guest. She yeah, did not. She didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our guest is Laura Linney, who unfortunately didn't say I'm that I'm sure to she me. thought it. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Linney is an award-winning actor. I'm sure you're in love with her right now in Ozark, America's most popular show. She's also in The Truman Show, Mystic River, The Big Sea, Savages, Kinsey. If you haven't gotten into Ozarks, we strongly encourage it. Laura has an incredible arc this season. So check out Ozark on Netflix. And guess what? It's not Ozarks. I know. I'm from Michigan, and I want it to be You Ozarks. want it to be. That's okay. That's your thing. But it's not. Please enjoy Laura Linney. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an Georgia are you from? Monica's from Georgia. Oh, I'm from Detroit, as is Kristen. Who I, you know. Oh, I know, I know, I know. She could not talk higher of you, actually. She has a very bad memory, then. Well, she, she does a, have a bad memory, but she has a very selective memory, I would right. say. Do you have that? It's all changing, because I'm getting older. Sure. You just go into the black void. <laughs> uh -huh. You just, you think you remember something, and then you're like, I don't remember 
anything about anything. I mean, people will come up and say, remember when we went on this trip? And No, I don't. And do you have what I have in those situations? Because they're increasing for me as well. Tremendous guilt immediately, because my first thought is, oh, they now think I didn't think that was important. That's right. No, of course. (laughs) And then there's the horrible thing when someone goes up and says, remember me? Yes, yes, yes. It's extra for you. It's yeah, extra. Yeah. It's a little exponential. a lot of people are coming up to you at all times. I know. Well, also, I, know. I was saying this to someone last week we were interviewing. It was like, it's really compounded by the fact that there's a very specific look us humans give one another when we're reuniting, right? When I'm familiar with you. So there's a look on my face. Yeah. No, that could just be someone who actually you're familiar to them. That's right. Yeah. And so you're reading all these cues and they're all jumble jangled. Yeah. Scatty Wampus. Yeah. <laughs> so the time I was in New York and I was going to the theater, I think, and I was having a very bad day. There was stuff going down. Like it was not good. And I was in a mood and I was trying to handle stuff and I was alone on a platform and I had headphones on. And a girl came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. And I was as nice as I could be, but I just couldn't. Muster like I don't up. think my face lit up. Yeah, your face betray you. And I got on the train and I'm sitting there and I looked up and she's crying. <gasps> Oh, boy. And you're already in a terrible mood. And then she saw me and burst into tears even more. And then she got up and left. That is not fair. (laughs) But I felt so bad. And it was like the one time I didn't have the energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was awful. And I'm still haunted by her, clearly. (laughs) She lives in my dreams. This is a ding, 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 because we were just at a wedding, me and Dax. Yeah, we got married. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, finally. (laughs) But there were a lot of people at that wedding who are notable. Famous people. It's like the village of famous people in a TV show. Like when everyone, they cast an entire village. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And one of these people was Justin Timberlake. Are you familiar with him? I've heard of him. You can Google him later and you'll recognize his face. But once dancing started, I was like, I feel so (laughs) bad for him. You had left by this point. Yeah, yeah. His song played. People were kind of like on and off the dance floor, Mm -hmm. you know? It was kind of like sparse. His song played. Boom! Everyone, including myself, including myself, ran to the dance floor to see what's going to happen. Is he going to dance? Is he singing to his own song? Is it a concert now? What is happening? Of course, he was incredible. Gracious. Yes. He danced the whole night. They did this really fun mime jump rope thing I hadn't heard of. I thought was maybe new. They were having so much fun, I hope. But the whole time I was just like, man, if you're Justin Timberlake at a wedding. No, I have something called the two drink rule. Mm. Oh, hit us. After people have had their second drink, Mm-hmm. I have to leave. There's a click that happens in the room. You can feel it. I'm not a drinker. Like I'll have a glass of something literally once a year. Sure, like, sure. I am just naturally yeah. sober, but I can feel it in the room. And I'm like, oh, it's time to go. Yeah. And I just have learned how to do that. Yeah. He was so gracious. It made me like really, really adore him. Yeah. Just BTS. He was asked prior to that. Respectfully, the people that got married said, hey, do you not want to hear your shit at our wedding? He didn't mind. Yep. Oh. Here we go. Grab a mic, Mama. Oh my goodness. I was so excited when you told me about this this morning. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to see you. Same here. I wanted her to come in. Hold your mic like a professional for crying out loud. You're a voiceover expert. There you go. You're all upside down. Do you want anyone to assist you? (laughs) There we go. There we go. She laid out your whole history last night. Uh Uh-huh. I said, I think I want Laura to hear your impression of her. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, please come in and tell her. He told me late last night that this was happening, and I got very excited because I said, I don't know if you've ever met Laura, but she 
was probably the person who had the most profound impact on me personally going into my career. Because when I met you, I was 20, could not tell my ass from my elbow, <laughs> was very excited to be there yeah. on stage with you guys. You guys met on the Crucible. Laura was the star of it. Correct. No, I was. You were the female Kristen. lead. You weren't Kristen. I had a larger part than your wife. Yeah, yes. a few more I lines. I did. A few more lines. <laughs> yeah, okay. I had a little more to do. Yeah. That's true. And so there was this group of girls, and I know that oftentimes, without your knowledge, we would talk about how cool it was that we got to hang out with you and watch you work, but also would just have this profound reverence for the time that you took with all of us. And I'm being dead serious right now. Like, it has left such a major oh, impact on sweet. every single one of us. But I said to Dax, I was like, Laura is the reason that I walk into a room the way I walk into a room, because she said, you know, if you guys come out to Los Angeles, if you guys ever explore film and television, you need to know the cameraman's name, you need to know the lighting guy's name, you need to know who the grips are, because A, you might not get lit well if you don't know the lighting guy. <laughs> like, you need to have a respect for everyone around you. Also, it's not just you, and it can seem like it's just you very easily. It was just a very big deal, and I, to this day, remember that piece of advice every single time I walk on a set of like, oh yeah, this is a group effort, yeah. there's a responsibility yeah. here. Yeah, And despite that that great advice her career stalled out but that is not on you it went nowhere it went yeah. absolutely nowhere yeah so i was like what happened to her <laughs> i know i gave her wisdom like, what happened to that girl with the beautiful smile i thought i set her up so well wow this really circles back to our beginning conversation so do you have the memories of Kristen? and it's okay if you don't no, I do. There was a group of the young girls in the Crucible who all get possessed and get to scream and yell and roll around and all of that. Mm -hmm. I loved that production. It was a really good production of a play that is not always done well. You know, most of the time people say the Crucible and you're like, oh God, another production of the Crucible. And we all had a wonderful time. It was beautifully designed. Mm -hmm. And all of the young girls were wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you were all just beautifully cast. And everybody was young. And it was kind of the first time that I was in a show where I was not a younger person. When Kristen was telling me this last night, I go, you have to recognize also Laura was very young when she was the older woman in your life. Like, she was much younger than you are currently. I loved it. You were just beautiful. More than anything, there was like, what is that face? Look at that, like, sparkle. And you were finding your way, mm -hmm. and you had questions, and you were curious, and you were lovely. You baked a lot. You did? I did. She did. She baked a lot. There was offerings. And then, like, <laughs> oh, oh, hi. Hi. Oh, hi Jesus there. Christ, it's all hi, unraveling. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hi, buddy. Take a seat real quick. Okay. Yeah, come on over. This is not how the show goes normal. I'm sorry, Laura. That's the face that was at the Crucible. Honestly, it was that little face. Yeah, they're That was ringers. in a pilgrim outfit. <laughs> and then possessed by demons. Well, I'm just incredibly grateful to have had an experience as a young actor being able to watch what you had created in your world and your process, being able to witness it left a profound impact, but also the personal time and attention, like just as a friend that you gave, like Jen and I, you invited us up to your cabin. Remember when you moved upstate and we went there and we stayed there and oh it was God. so funny. We walked through all the forest and you were so open and giving and it just left a really profound impact on me. I just wanted to say thank you. It's been thrilling watching what's been going on. Thanks. You must have done backflips when you saw she got hooked up with me.
Well, actually, I was really happy. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I was being funny. But when we first hooked up, this was the kind of consensus in the country. If you see this thing hanging yes, here, it says, I would see. you date Dax? 72% of the country said, absolutely not. All right, well, I really got to focus on Laura now. So happy you came by. Yeah. Delta had a question for Oh, you. what's your question? Will you say it in the mic? Hiya. Yeah. Well, you got to ask a little closer so I can hear. Because I have headphones on. I can only hear if it's in the microphone. Um, where'd you put the screwdriver? Yeah. It's in my backpack that's sitting on the bench under the windows in the living room. Bench under the windows. You know, the backpack. It says JPL on it and stuff. I love everyone in this room. Love you. Bye, Thanks guys. for stopping by. So I think it's really wonderful to see that. And I would say you guys remind me as an outsider of one another. What a compliment. But Thank then you. also, I think I have some things in common with you. I'm hoping. I'm a big projector, so I'm often Do it. wrong. Okay. I'm a blank page project also, away. Laura's whole family is from Georgia. The whole family. My mother's side of the family is from Georgia. My father's side was from North Carolina. Oh, okay. I love North Carolina. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And your father had the coolest name of all time. Or is he still alive? No, he's no longer alive. Romulus. Romulus Zachariah. If I had a son, I think I'd want to go with Romulus. It's a hard name to have as a child, (laughs) but I think he loved it as an adult. I wonder Uh, if that's Rami Malik. Or is it? I don't think so. Okay. But it is the lead character in Succession is Romulus. And then also Romulus, Michigan is a town. Oh. Romulus, yeah. Maybe there's some there you lineage go. there. I don't know. Lineage. Get it? Oh, <laughs> more lineage there. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to own my baggage too. So I'm wrong side of the tracks. I felt very less than a lot in my life. And then right out of the gates when I've heard you speak, I'm like, God, she speaks perfectly. And then I go, oh, she went to a prep school. Oh, she went to Brown. Oh, she went to Juilliard. I'm ramping up to be Mm -hmm. like, this person thinks I'm a piece of shit. Mm -mm. But then I'm like, single mom nurse. Okay, this I can relate to. And then I imagine too, you too must be hyper aware of privilege and wealth because you were surrounded by it, but didn't have it. That's correct. Did you have those feelings of less than Absolutely, I did. And also I was the only child of a divorced home. And I had a mother who worked incredibly hard. I was at a very privileged school, which my grandmother paid for, my father's mother. It was not an easy upbringing for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And I found myself surrounded by people who had very different lives than I did. Some of them I liked a lot. Some of them scared me to pieces. And then I found myself at institutions that were very well-funded and had some very wealthy people there. But you do sort of become comfortable with who you are. This is where you and Monica have a lot in common, too, because she was a brown girl wanting to be white. You can relate. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm the whitest person on the planet. But she's a master assimilator. Right. And then I felt less, and so I went the other way. I was like, I reject your system. I'm going to be punk rock. Fuck all y'all. I'm not playing your game. But you got to pick one of those lanes, I feel like. Yes. And then you can be stubborn about it. When I first got out of drama school, I can remember people would say to me, I had to go into auditions looking a certain way. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to wear a skirt to every audition where I have to sit in a room of men and have Mm. them stare at my legs. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like if they want to hire me as an actress, this is what I can do. But I'm not going to... Try to be something. Yeah. And I think I went a little far with it. I think I was probably a little too Well, you famously auditioned in snowmobile suits quite often. (laughs) That's right. The Michelin Man outfit (laughs) came out. I said, cast this. You know, hey, see past (laughs) it, friends. Way to get noticed. Yeah. This is a deeper zone I don't know if you want to go into with me. Go, bring it. Okay, so similarly, mother, three kids, single mom, working midnights as a janitor at General Motors. My mother worked 12-hour shifts at Sloan Kettering. Exactly. So I was hypersensitive to how 
overwhelmed she was. And so I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be super self-sufficient. Yeah. I never asked her for anything. It has fucked me up because I actually think that's the quality that people love about me. And I have an impossible time asking for help, showing that I'm struggling. I just had this conversation <laughs> oh, tell me. with my shrink. I am difficult to help. I think when you grow up in chaos or some form of chaos, whether it's an undercurrent of chaos or literally physical chaos, and you are afraid that asking for something is going to throw a balance off and all of a sudden someone will be inconvenienced or upset, you learn to stay in your lane and you try and be as self-sufficient as you possibly can. I was a very good girl growing up. I was a painfully good girl. Right. And then when I would do something delinquent, uh-huh. like it was so out of character mm. and everyone would freak out so intensely when I would do something not good yes. that it put me even further into the behave well it mode. Did. You didn't feel like, ooh, that's kind of fun. You were like, no, 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 that's bad. Oh, no, no, no. And I'd always get caught. Yeah. I would always get caught. Like I don't even try... Because it's like, I'm just going to get slapped down. God's going to come and create something to be like, you did something wrong. We might diverge then here because what that whole thing that I think we have in common created in me as a very dualistic person. So like I had my perfect thing for my mom and I got good grades. And then I was kind of a fucking animal when no one was looking. Right. Like I was into trouble. I loved girls too young. I became an addict. Did you have any of that even though you got well, caught? Well, I was not a great student. Okay. I had a very hard time learning how to read. So I did not have confidence at school. So I was all sort of insecure about that. I have never been an addict, but I was around addicts. And they scared me so intensely for such a long period of time that I didn't dare go there. I was like, my life is too hard for me to handle when I'm sober. Mm. To me, drugs and alcohol would not be a release for me. It would not yeah. be a safe place for me. I just knew it would make it much worse. Yeah, yeah. Much, yeah. much, much worse. You were right, by the way. I did the research for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Thanks, yeah, Zach. Yeah, you were right. It does go that way. I feel like kids who are around excessive amounts of alcohol and stuff, like I have a friend who just has never touched it, won't, because he's like, I know how it'll go. Every once in a while, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to start drinking. Yeah. I'm going to smoke. That's what I need to do. That's the problem. I'm too good of a girl. Ah. And then I try and smoke pot and like I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah. Well, you've lost probably a sense of control that you normally have. Or like, you know, my tongue would swell up. You know, it was just like, I'm just not built for this. Yeah. I was like, I'm never going to drink because my dad was an alcoholic. Everyone's an alcoholic. I wasn't going to do it. And then at some point I was like, you know what I need? I'm an iconoclast, right? So I'm not going to receive some bit of information and not challenge it. I'm at least going to find out, right? And I told my mother, we know I shouldn't drink, but I need to find out. And she goes, I understand. And then 11 years later, I kind of came to. So I totally understand that route you Mm -hmm. chose in response to it. But are you attracted to addicts? Oh, absolutely. I've married them. There we go. And I'm married to a sober man now who was a drug and alcohol counselor for a while. I was going to say, I read that he was a drug and alcohol counselor. And I thought most are addicts. That's right. So, you know, I've done my own work on myself and my relationship to addicts. Have you done Al-Anon? I have. Tell us the value of it. We've had a couple different guests who have like, it's changed their life. Yeah. I'm an AA, so it's a sister or brother program. For me, that program just helps me in every area of my life. And when you realize that you're there, not because you have an addict who you're in relationship with and you're upset about that, but you're really there for you. When that penny drops, life gets a lot better in every area. And you learn... Like, it's okay to smile and wave to people who 
you know will complicate your life. Ugh. Yeah. Like it is very, very hard when it goes against your instinct, when you are a person who wants to reach out and help and be there and help someone through and show them the way and make sure they're safe. And when you take on stuff that just isn't yours, it can be very complicated. And to learn that in some ways you're helping someone by yeah. not helping them. Yeah. That's a very hard thing to mature into. Especially if you're a parent. I can't imagine. Like, I have an eight-year-old. If my child has an issue with addiction, like, God help me, I hope I handle it well. So, you know, what's interesting is my mother has married every addict she met. Mm -hmm. Father, an addict. And when I was an addict, it was really fascinating to watch how they both dealt with it. Because my dad was just like, he'll call me at some point. Right. And I'm not going to think about it until that day. I mean, literally, he saw it for sure. Did he get sober? Yeah, yeah. When I was 14, he got sober. He's like me. My wife will say, like, are you going to talk to so-and-so? I'm like, it's not really how it works. Like, I can't make someone want to be sober. That's right. Now, when they want to get sober, fuck yeah, I'll call them a thousand times a day. Yeah. But it just doesn't work. But it's so hard. Like, as someone who's not well-versed in that, it's so healthy to have that. It's very hard. But like to see someone you care about circling the drain. And also you're scared they're going to die. Exactly. It's not just that they're miserable, they're fucking up their life, their relationship's a disaster, they just got fired. But you know addicts die. Yes, exactly. And that's a reality. It's very frightening to do nothing. Exactly. And then it makes you feel like a very bad person if you do nothing. I get it. And am I right to say, there's two appeals, right, if you're an Al-Anonor. One is... You probably receive love from addicts, right? So you have a very kind of well-known relationship. It's familiar. Ultimately valued at the times where they need your forgiveness, all these waves of highs and lows. That horrible cycle. And then the selfish part of it, which is hard to recognize, is like by being linked to a tornado, you don't have to recognize that your house is slowly smoldering That's too. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, it's a very great excuse not to deal with yourself. Okay, Juilliard. Yes. That was fun. I want to see how it rears itself. Maybe you'll let us in along the voyage. But I had one quick question. It's another selfish one. But you were at Juilliard, maybe at the time my uncle was. Did you cross-pollinate with any of the musicians? The four schools, opera, dance, drama, and music, when I was there, were completely separate worlds. Okay. Mm. Wildly separate. Now they intermingle more. They have mixers and stuff. Yeah, they have mixers, (laughs) you know. Hey, hey, trombone. How you doing? Okay, well, he was a trumpet player. And he spent his entire life. He graduated. He went to, I want to say, Boston Symphony Orchestra. He played for one season and has never touched the trumpet again. Oh, wow. Which I think is a kind of common story. Wow. Aren't you glad our our kind of thing isn't as insane as that pursuit? Yes. Well, that's also a very lonely pursuit. It's so lonely. You have to be a sensitive introvert who is fulfilled by that. Yeah. Completely and only that. Well, I guess that was probably it. Maybe you wanted to be around some people. Yeah. And not practice something eight hours a day. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like if you and I take a year off from acting, likely we'll pick it up and be just fine. Yes. But if you're a trumpet player, if you don't do it four hours a day, you can't play the instrument. Well, it's kind of like the theater. You know, like you can be away for a while. Okay. But after too much time... What atrophies? Your voice. Oh, your voice. Mm. Vocally, you atrophy, and your body does as well. It's a beat down, right? There's a different thing to it. Kristen, so I wonder what your advice to her would be. She, of course, still has romantic notions of going back to theater. Yeah, she needs to do it. Well, I asked the wrong person. (laughs) She actually has to do it. Okay. And as her spouse, Uh I would highly advise... It would be very good for her on a very deep level. We just got somewhere really good. What would you guess is my hesitation? The time away. The personal inconvenience, yeah? The personal inconvenience, I get it. But 
your wife is, is more talented than people know. It's becoming more and more obvious the bigger step she makes. Frozen was huge. I had no idea she could sing like that. <laughs> and you knew her. And I knew her. I had no idea. And for people who come from the theater, it's a church. It's the sacred place. So, and if you're away from it too long, and if you are a true member of that church, there is something spiritually in you that starts to not feel right. She needs to fulfill that for herself. I will relay that to her. My issue is I protect her from getting bangs. You need to go to Al-Anon. <laughs> but you can't protect her from that. Every woman I've ever dated yeah. goes through a cycle. She's like, I want bangs. This is the most relatable topic of all time. Oh, you mean bangs, bangs. bangs. I yes. thought you meant like no, no, critically no. banged. No, no, who gives a fuck? Oh. I don't care what people say about her. Hair bangs. Hair bangs. Every woman I've ever dated, I'm not going to speak for all women, one day they go, I want bangs. They see someone with bangs, it yeah. looks great. I want bangs. You go, go get them. I want to be Goldie Hawn and laughing. There you go. And then they get the bangs. And they look and awful. two weeks later, they go, oh, I fucking hate these bangs. I got it. And then I live through the next year where they grow the bangs out and they hate it and they're training their bangs and it's a whole thing. So I always say a man's number one mm -hmm. obligation to a woman he loves is to prevent her from getting bangs. I don't think so. Some people love their I bangs I think they have also. to have the lesson of getting the bangs. Okay. So I know which job she takes where she's miserable. So she's very romantic as I am too. We all have those jobs. And it's easier to see as a partner. And she says it to me too. She's like, I know you want to do that thing, but I just want to remind you when you did a thing that was identical to that, you didn't like it. Right. My hesitation is eight shows a week, vocal rest, mm -hmm. all the things. My prediction is she's not going to like as much as she thinks. That's my fear. That could be. I think she would love an excuse to not talk. Great point. <laughs> she would love it. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, she would love the vocal rest. What am I saying? You know, and when the theater is good, when the experience is good, there's nothing like it. She does deserve it to be able to have that again. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not saying in the way. I'm just reminding her that the workload is different. It is very different. And if you're out of shape from it, it is a shock. There's no question. Like eight shows a week is very, very intense. The fatigue is very, very intense. The responsibility, if you are the lead of a show, is very high. There's all of that. So then you have children and family and you're trying to do all that. It's a lot on your plate. But. But. <laughs> caveat. When it's great, you feel like you are fulfilling a part of yourself that can't be fulfilled yeah, anywhere else. You're nurturing a side of you that nothing else can. Listen, we have this agreement. Mine's motorcycles. So she doesn't like that I race motorcycles. That yeah. sucks. I get it. I mean, I'm like, I don't want to be on planet Earth and not do it. Right. It's her motorcycle. It's her motorcycle. <laughs> Your husband, what is that dynamic? Does he say to you, Laura, this sounds so fun. I think you're going to love it. Also, do you remember you broke your ankle last time you did it? No, no, he knows what's coming, but he also, he wouldn't, dare. he would never keep me from the theater. When you're doing a show, is it hard in the relationship? My husband is really good about all this stuff. I think that's a question for him, really, but it's hard with the kids. Right. Because you're not home at night, so you can't put them to bed. You're very tired in the morning, so it's very hard to get up and take them to school. You are on vocal rest. There is a period of time where you can't give a, a minute to anyone. Right, energy-wise. That's right. That costs the family. You also already live in New York. Yes. Already, that's a huge step towards it working out. Yeah. You're used to not having a big yard. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we could go through the many amazing things you did between Juilliard and today, but I guess for me, selfishly, I mean, of course, I saw you in the Truman Show, I saw you in Primal Fear, but <laughs> when You Can Count on Me came out in 2000, I want to say that's like the first indie movie where I was like, oh, 
I love this movie. It's so important. I see the value of these small movies. Like it just kind of was a paradigm shift for me mm. about what kind of movies I might like. And you were such an integral part of that. And then also like discovering for me, Mark Ruffalo, I was like, who is that? Yes. Yeah. You're so good in it. You ground the whole thing. You're the anchor. You make the whole movie work. But I do want to know, like, did you know him prior to that? Mark, no. This happens to all of us, right? You get on a set. For me, it's Mae Whitman. I'm like, who's this kid? Why is she better than everyone? Did you yeah. just get elated with excitement? Kenny Lonergan wanted Mark to do it from the beginning. And there was some resistance because people thought we didn't look alike. And uh -huh. I always said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. It really does not matter. Yeah. If we work well together, no one will bat an eye about it. And I remember the very first time I met him, we would get together to read together. And I was in the room and he came up to me with his arms outstretched, his palms up. And he's one of the most generous people on the planet. Mm. And like instantly I was like, oh my God. I love you like a brother. <laughs> Who is this? He has just a totally different energy of generosity from anyone I had ever met before. An openness that really took my breath away. And every once in a while, you get to work with someone who you just click with like that. It's magic. Now, what's interesting is from the outside, of course, like that movie's really seminal in your career. It's really impactful. Had I not read the New York Times article about you, you would think that must have been like a real gravy point of your life. Right. Because you're getting nominated and the movie's incredibly respected, but your house burns down, you're going through divorce. Oh. Everything's going shitty. Mm-hmm at that moment and i wonder how i would have processed all that like if i would have thought this is uniquely cruel like this is a moment of my life i've been working towards for many many years and i should be enjoying this yeah did you feel kind of like robbed of what that maybe experience could or should have I been like i just felt i was dealing with things i had never dealt before i was dealing with an industry that all of a sudden had said hey come on in right mm. and you have to understand like my ambition was never film and tv ever it was the big surprise for me. Like all of a sudden I was doing it. I didn't suck at it. And then I was being encouraged. My expectations of what my life was started to shift a little bit. Sure. And then my personal life was not going. Swimmingly. Yeah. No, they were sort of going across currents at each other. So I was dealing with all these things that were just overwhelming. I was very disoriented during that period of time. And I still look back on it and get a little unstable on my feet. Interesting, because I was going to ask from the... 22 year rearview mirror mm -hmm. does it appear because to me it mm -hmm. goes oh wow you were about to take this entirely different course yes so this show doesn't exist unless i have this failure chips where i work for two and a half years it doesn't open and i'm like oh in my mind i was going to be writing and directing for the next 12 years that was guaranteed and now all of a sudden it's like oh i'm not doing any of that and now i'm doing this and it's almost like of course in retrospect it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, okay, you're being pushed in directions you don't even realize. Yes, I'm going to actually kind of phoenix and metamorphosize. So maybe from this point of view, makes sense at this point. I think a lot of pain didn't have to happen. Right, right. <laughs> For everyone involved. So it was a real seminal time. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. 
But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having Because you were, some... not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob specific. and I received some texts this Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And then... You take off on this trajectory and you do a bunch of incredible movies. And then the next thing I would love to just touch in on is the big C. Oh, yeah. Because I was in the Groundlings. I lived on $8,000 a year. I broke all the tendons that hold your clavicle in. And one of my fellow Groundlings, Darlene Hunt. Oh, my God. Said, what (laughs) is going on with your shoulder? And I said, oh, I need surgery, but I don't have insurance. So I'm waitlisted at UCLA Harbor. It could be a few months. So I'm just living with my bone protruding up a few inches. It was gnarly. And Darlene Hunt, who was a bit successful then, but not really. Right. She had written some things. She said, please let me pay for you to have that fixed. That's 
that's and so I'd known nice. her for maybe six months. What a nice thing to know it's about most, someone. It's one that's of the most amazing. like beautifully generous things anyone's wow. ever offered me. I couldn't accept it back to your nice baggage. I can't receive help from you. I've got to give you help somehow. I could have never received it, but man, did it blow me away. I think about it all the time. Like she didn't have the safety net to offer to do that for me. And she did. And she created the big C. So I just was wondering, do you have those fond memories of her? She's on a different wavelength than other people. Oh, yeah. Oh, she really is. Big time. And that show was such an unusual thing to place cancer within the context of comedy. Mm -hmm. And that was all her. And kind of novel at that moment. Yeah, yeah, it was. But also what you realize when you're going through a trial like that, or you are helping shepherd someone through a cancer diagnosis or even to their death, perhaps. The more threatened you are, the more absurd things around you become. It hit on a truth that I found really fascinating. There's this great kind of law in comedy, which is like the joke that's going to score the highest is the one that's breaking the most amount of tension. Like you could have kind of a six joke, but placed at the right point where people are going to die if someone doesn't make that joke. It's also like there's something about comedy at the right moment that reveals a truth. It's the relief of seeing a truth. Mm. that makes you laugh, that has a catharsis. Yeah. So I've always thought of comedy as a survival technique. Big time, yeah. You think about the court jester and what their job was, speaking truth to power in a way that was disguised in a cloak of comedy. Try to curb the king a yeah. little bit. Try to like ring the bell of truth in a way that you can't unhear it. No matter how it's presented, you're like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Right. That's why we're all laughing collectively because we all recognize it in the exact same moment that's as right. the truth. Yeah. When the joke doesn't reveal a the truth, there's no unison. Yeah. That's why Jon Stewart was so successful. Why Colbert was so successful. Mm -hmm. They got right in there. Okay, and then the other fun thing is we were obsessed with Downton Abbey. Everyone was, right? Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like... What were you doing there? <laughs> what in the world were you doing there? No. Yeah. That's not even my question as much as <laughs> someone calls you at some point, and they go, how would you like to introduce this show? What was the call? What they were doing is they were reinventing the beginning of Masterpiece Theater. They were going to do Masterpiece Classic, Masterpiece Theater, and Masterpiece something else, and they would have three hosts who would sort of take over what Alistair Cook had done in the past. Which again, if people don't know the history, that's how they always started. That's how they always started. When I was growing up and watching Upstairs, Downstairs, Alistair Cook would be sitting in the chair with a brandy <laughs> snifter. He'd introduce the show, and it was the tradition of the show. He was the host. That's right. Yeah. So they were continuing that. And so I was Masterpiece Classic. So it wasn't just Downton that I was doing. Right. It was a variety of shows. So I did them. I'm not thinking much of it. I was just excited to be in the tradition of Alistair Cook. I yes, just got course. a bit of a thrill about that. I had no idea that those shows would be as successful as they were and that the conceit was a little kind of enjoyable. It didn't quite work. So it became a bit of a thing. I loved it because uh, I knew the masterpiece theater thing. So though. you knew it. But I think for our generation, it made sense. For the people who are younger, I think they were like, what <laughs> is she happening? doing? Why is the lady from the Truman Show up there <laughs> no. doing that? Like, tell her to go away. I'm going to argue that what really happened was the younger people are like, well, she's in this show because they know you. So they're like, oh, great. She's in this show at some point. Because you're right. They have no context. So they don't understand no. why you're there. Other than I think the most logical assumption is you're in this show. And then you're watching this show. When is she Where popping is she? up? Oh, I like, never <laughs> thought about that. Yeah, I never that was, thought about that. That's what was happening. That. 
Really? Yes. And then you'd go through the end of season one and, well, Jesus, wow, I guess season two, they're going to put her in there. And then I got replaced by a Ralph Lauren ad, basically. Wait. Over time. What do you mean? I still do the narration. I still do the voiceovers for it. And I love doing it. But they took me off camera because they had the opportunity to, I think, get some funding from Ralph Lauren. Gotta take it. Yeah. 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 Hey. Because the show wasn't enormously globally successful. We got to get that extra 10 grand. And then there was a cruise line. The what? Viking cruise line as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. that one I welcome. Are you a fan <laughs> of 60 Minutes? Did you ever watch 60 Minutes? Yeah, of course Minutes? I watch 60 Minutes. Oh, it's my favorite show of all time. <laughs> and Viking Cruise has been the most loyal yeah. supporter. And I'll tell you. Have you ever been? Have you ever been on one? Did you go? That's what I want to tell you. All growing up, I was like, what a boring fucking cruise. You're on that little boat and you're just seated. Okay, that was how I felt about it for about 20 years. In the last five years, I see this. I'm like, my God, this is my way of sightseeing. Uh -huh. I sit and That's eat right. while yeah. the scenery is brought to me. <laughs> and now it seems like the coolest thing Float ever. through. Have, Have you, you done, done one? No. Are you intrigued? I think I would want to do it with people I know. Right. You don't want to be a goldfish in a bowl. Yeah. But the notion of just Could seated, be right? really fun. Maybe we'd all be playing cards <laughs> yeah. or chatting. And then, oh, look. I'll have my fan. I'll just sit there and watch the Alps go by. <laughs> cool lemonade. You know, absolutely. And then, oh, cool look thing. at this castle. Uh -huh. Oh, look at that thing. Look at that. It really appeals to me now. I also have a fantasy about train travel. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish I could do old-fashioned train travel. Same. I love that. I find that very romantic. Very romantic. Yeah. I will tell you a bummer of a story. I've had that fantasy forever. My ex-girlfriend is from Washington State. And one Christmas, we always go back for Christmas. I go, let's do it this year. Sleeper car the whole night. Yeah. We get on it. Man, this is awesome. It's exactly what we wanted. Well, mind you, it showed up three hours late. That's a little rough. By the time we got to Washington, it was 23 hours late. 23 hours? A day late. Oh, we kept having to pull over so that freight trains could go by and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. So relaxing evening. Well, <laughs> it ended up being a full two and a half days wow. to get to Seattle. And then all of the toilets on the other three passenger cars had backed up. The food ran out. When we got to Portland, like the last city before there, they were like, if you want to get off and take a bus, we recommend oh, that. God. <laughs> Oh, my God. So I just hope if you oh go down God. that path, it's a little better of an experience than I yeah. have. But there was a moment cruising through Santa Barbara on the Silver Surfer in the dining car with the glass. I mean, come on. What kind do you want to do? I kind of want to do one like one through the Rockies where like somehow there's steam coming out of the engine. I want to do like Orient Express. Okay. Or the Blue Note. Tell me the What's Blue that? Note. I think that's through Africa. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd like to go somewhere where I've never been. Have it be truly magical. No one's worried about getting car sick. You don't get car sick. Really? No, not at Are all. Are you sure? Positive. Positive. Because they can't make sharp turns. That's very gentle. I love the trains. I wish the United States had a better train system. Have you done your rally trips? Yes, I did your rail trips. I took a summer off, did the I'm going to go see Europe alone. Alone? While I was at Juilliard, actually, I took some time off and I went. Where did you go? I went through Switzerland. Oh. I went to Germany. I went through France. It was great. That's probably my favorite trip of my life is being 19 and doing that. Yeah, because you're doing things for the first time on your own. So there's a self-sufficiency that's, you're like, oh, I can do this. That's what it I'm, is for us. I'm like touching adulthood here. And I'm using all of the tools that my parents taught me or other people taught me or my community taught me. You learn more about yourself when you're traveling, I think, than any other time. Because everything that identifies you, that makes you feel safe, that support system's gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So lonely. You learn about yourself in a whole different way. Well, I hadn't thought of that aspect. And of course, you and I have been training our whole life for this. So every time you get on the URL, 
you would end up in a city and I'd have all this anxiety like pulling in. Where do I stay? Maps, fucking fold out maps. Where's the hostel? I can't read anything. So anxiety, test, completion. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. (laughs) Yes, that's probably why it appealed to me so much. Yeah, Yeah, every three days I got to reprove to myself. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you also get off on the budgeting aspect? That was my favorite. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Did you love budgeting your money? Like, oh, I have oh, X yeah. amount. I think I had traveler's checks oh, at the time. American <laughs> Express travelers. Is that? Yeah, yes. yeah. And I actually just found one in the <gasps> oh, depths oh. of a drawer with my old signature, my old like collegiate signature <laughs> that looks nothing like the way I sign my name now. It was wild. What was the value of it? It was $20. It was $20. Really nice. Yeah, it was I feel like it should be worth 100 right now. I know. (laughs) And the packing and the unpacking and what do I need? And like the getting rid of things. I remember I read East of Eden on the train through Europe. And I would take the chapters as I finished it and I'd rip them off. Wow. And I'd leave them. Oh. I'd weave them Just around Europe. It was really fun. Yeah. And I was reading such an American story while I was in Europe. So it was really fun. Yeah, Salinas. You're learning yeah. about like yeah. weird. Yeah. California. California. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. That is so funny. Similarly, I went one time later when I was 20 with my buddies. And one of my buddies I didn't know was such a genius. What he did is he, in his backpack, he bought 20 brand new white t-shirts, 20 brand new white pair of underwear, 20 brand new pair of socks, yeah. two pair of jeans, Every day, he'd take off his T-shirt, take off his socks, take off his underwear, throw them right in the trash. He was just getting lighter and lighter every day. Isn't that clever? Yeah. I mean, there's a little moral dilemma with the Yeah, wait, sure. But you know what? Fuck it. In the 80s, no one cared. No, it was great. Now we must talk about Ozark. Okay. Ozarks. Ozark. Oh, okay. Ozark singular. You know what it is? Here's what happens. Because I'm from Detroit. (laughs) I add an S to everything, and she corrects me. Oh, you do? (laughs) Kmart's, Ford's. I have a theory on it. I don't know if it's true, but because all of our industry primarily were started by actual humans that the product bore their name. I think people would say like, I work at Ford's, like Ford's like place. Oh, yeah. The house of. Yeah. Because yeah, it was a person at some point. It wasn't like I work at Ford's. Like I work at Mike's. It's a good theory. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad that you co-signed a little bit on it. I do. White Castle's. <laughs> okay. Ozark. Ozark was this kind of remarkable experience and that like it all lined up it's almost Downton Abbey all over again I want a numerical value of your expectations versus the result out of 10 I wasn't looking to do a tv series I find the culture of television very challenging what aspect there tends to be a resistance for writers to collaborate with actors for Mm. producers to share information there is a business aspect to it that has molded it and calcified it which it's shaking up now but for a long time where it is not the most collaborative of experiences right Ozark was wonderfully collaborative did you have all the scripts for the season before no, you didn't? No, but okay. our showrunner would sit down with us and say, this is where your character's going right. for the year. Thank you. That's great. I don't need the specific, but just to have a basic idea. You have Bateman there who also is coming from film. Yeah. Up to that point for the last 10 years. That helps, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. He, Chris Mundy, and our producer, Patrick Markey, created an unbelievable working environment mm. from the get-go. I sat down with him and I was like, huh. He's stepping into another lane. I was like, good for him. And there's certain people who you meet and you can see and you're like, there's more to them than they have been allowed to explore or they have not wanted to do it. And the other person who I felt this way about was Hugh Grant. When I did love actually with him and got to know him a little bit, and we're not friends or anything, but we worked together during that period of time. 
And I remember saying to him, I'm like, you going to do a little drama? And when Bateman sat down with me, I was like, oh, good for him. You can see it in them. And he's hyper-intelligent, which you kind of find out really quick. And he is a child of this industry and of this town. And he has very good taste. And he understands the mediums really well. He also loves it. Yes. He's a total camera geek, techno geek. Yeah. Like he loves all that stuff. He appreciates different types of actors. He's funny. The crew adores him. He was a really, really amazing leader. It's a remarkable thing that he did. Being down there, is that fine? Like being down in Atlanta? I loved it. It's getting fun there. I loved being in Atlanta. I think it is alive and active and there's circulation. Get in there now. House prices are rising. Oh, it's incredibly expensive now, but it's a wonderful city. And I found it a very honest city. I found it an exciting city as far as the politics of it was fascinating. Yeah. And having a history with the state of Georgia and then seeing what it's become within that metropolis was really exciting. And it's a far more liberated city than any other city I've been to. Far more than New York. It's integrated in a way that you just don't see anywhere else. You just don't. It's a real lesson living there for a while. For me, watching your character, the moment I like the most (laughs) was you go from, oh, this person's probably going to stand in the way of all the things that the male guy wants to do. It's going to be like Rocky and Adrian Mm. or begging him not to box. And then when you start getting your hands dirty, I'm like, here we go. Now we got two fucking leads that are going to kick some ass and can do the dirty shit when it needs doing. Was that like a big let's party playing the character? I realized there's the scene in the first season where she flings the possum on top of the... And we had that scene. I thought, how does she know how to do that? How does a woman from Chicago... (laughs) How is she not afraid of a dead possum? Mm. And how does she know how to touch it, handle it, fling it? And I'm like, oh, she's not from Chicago. I was like, oh, she's not a middle class person. Oh. Why does she know how to talk to these people? Like, oh, she's closer to them. She's closer to the life of the Langmores than she is to the life that she was living in Chicago. She's Laura Linney in the one bedroom apartment. <laughs> her neighbors. Well, yeah. Her neighbors weren't her classmates. That's exactly what it was. And I always had an instinct from the very beginning that the show was about identity. And I talked to Chris Mundy, our showrunner, about that a lot. I was like, if it could be something about identity. I don't know why I thought that, but I just did. And the country was going through a period of time where I think we were all asking ourselves, like, who are we? Who am I? Mm-hmm. What do we believe in? What does my country believe in? What does my state believe in? What does my household believe? Like, who the fuck are we right now? And I think that sort of worked its way for me personally into the story. And I was like, oh, she's been trying to get away from who she really is for a very, very long time, which is why she also resists going to the Ozarks in the first place. And then she gets there and her authentic self sort of rages out. Or blossoms, if you like carnage like I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it flourishes. So that was really fun. Yeah. I also like, too, it's got a very fair way to view people, which is, again, being from the wrong side of the tracks. It's like one of the smartest characters on the show is Julia's character. And I love that. Like, everyone could have been played one note. We could have had hillbillies fill these archetypes. But she's the genius on the show at times, right? Absolutely. Kind of another Mark Ruffalo moment. And she has, like, the biggest heart. There's nobody like Julia. Julia is a totally unique creature. The combination of that actress with that part was astounding to watch. And I have never worked with anyone who has a natural cinematic charisma the way that she does. Mm. She would have moments where she would just turn her head and I'd be like, oh my God. (laughs) 
And to watch her grow during the four seasons, to see her get her feet on the ground, figure it out, and also give herself permission to really go there. Yeah. She's a really unique, crazy, talented person. Someone just criticized me for this online, so I blocked them. But I'm going to tell you what the criticism was. I wanted to know if you guys agree. They were mad that I sometimes tell guests who I think they look like. Is that offensive? What's wrong with that? Can you find a problem with that? Depends on who you say. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> like if someone I think looks like Shrek, I won't say it. Do you get told? I am told all the time. Nicole Kidman? No, I never get Nicole. Oh my God. I can see it. It's driving me bonkers. <gasps> you have a certain angle. I love you. You have an angle that I'm like, oh my God, it's Nicole Kidman. Oh, it's been driving me bonkers this whole <gasps> time. I already liked you before I came in. Now he knows how to really it's a win whole the gals. other category. I'm going to go further. I'm going to go Days of Thunder, Nicole Kidman. Boom. Wait, I want to know who <laughs> were you thinking he was going to say? Everybody says Laura Dern. Laura Dern and I have a whole long running uh, thing about it. I could see. Yeah. She's so wonderful. She's oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. It's a complete compliment, but it's so funny. I get that a lot. I get Helen Hunt sometimes. Okay. Oh. Then there are a few people I get who I'm not crazy to be. Sure. So I'm not, I'm going to just omit that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. what I do get, <laughs> this happened just yesterday at the hotel. This is when she goes, you're Laura, you're Laura, right? Oh. That's who you are, you're Laura. I had my mask on. Oh, wow. I'm like, yes, you're Wendy. You Wendy. Yes, I'm Wendy. Oh. You look so much better in person. I get that too. So why do they make you look so bad? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Why do they make you look so bad on the TV show? Because <laughs> you look so young and so pretty. And why did they do that to you? Why do they hate wow. you? Why do they hate you that way? I get that a lot, actually. Did that happen to me at a fucking award show? I was presenting nice. and I had never met the singer they paired me with. And like literally two sentences in. Oh, the you're thing, not an ogre. She turned to me and she goes, oh my God, you're so much better looking in person. And I was like, oh, oh Jesus. I get that all the time. <laughs> and you just don't know how to. I guess it is preferable to you're so much less attractive in person. And sometimes it's a total choice. I mean, sometimes it's character work and it's I'm a choice. I'm always trying to look hot, Laura. I don't know, you're a better actor <laughs> than me. But I get that a lot. And my heart just sort of goes a little like, Ugh. Okay, back to the Dern thing. So I have it with Zach Braff. So Zach Braff, oh. his whole career and my whole career, not as much anymore because I'm a big boy now, but we used to get it all the time. And then of course, you then talk about it when you run into each other, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And then you hear what their strategy is, right? Right. For you, I wonder what arc it's on because mine was like, no, that's not me. Oh, and I just say thank you. So now, just yeah. over the years, it's like it's so much easier. I'll sign his name. That's right. Okay, great. So that's where you're at. Yes, absolutely. Allison Brie and Brie Larson, same thing. They said they've had a lot of <laughs> miscommunications and they just at this point are like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I yes, know. I know I'm great and glow. Yeah. The other great one is Dylan McDermott. And oh, God. Dermot Mulrooney. Classic. No one yeah. fucking knows who's who. Yep. yep. Great <laughs> SNL sketch. I mean, uh, <laughs> poor guys. So part two. So the season was broken half, I guess. It was. We filmed all 14 episodes over a year. During quarantine? During quarantine. Hey. We went back to work in September and the first several months were very rocky with COVID. Did you guys get shut down a lot? Not a lot, but a few times. Okay. And just no one knew anything. Nobody knew what was going on. There were no vaccines at the time. It was Georgia where it was a little controversial about the existence of COVID. So there were a lot of people who were not wearing masks. I mean, everyone on set was wearing masks, but just you had to go get groceries. Yeah. yeah. You had to live your life outside of work. So it was very intense. I had a few moments where I was like, what am I doing? I am the mother of a young child. Like, I can't 
die now because of <laughs> I'm on a TV show. Like, this is absurd. <laughs> but thank God, again, it was a testament to our crew and our cast because we all knew each other. We had a crew that stayed together the entire time, which was unusual. Unheard of. So I couldn't have done it with another group That's of people. That's a testament to you guys, the actors, and abatement. To everybody. We trusted each other. Like, I completely trusted that people were behaving themselves, that they realized that we are interdependent right now, yeah. that my actions can shut this down. But it was an intense period of time. There's no question. It's also intense because it was our last season and we knew it was our last season. Right. It's emotional. And there was something about coming back to work and everything around you said, danger, 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 mm -hmm. danger. You're in danger. You're in danger. Take off the masks and connect and relax. Yeah. Like, it was hard to get to a really centered place place to actually work. I was just a little unnerved. I'm so glad you guys have been celebrated in the way you have, and then it was such a hit. You couldn't have foreseen what an enormous hit it was going to be. I had no idea. Right. It's kind of like the Downton Abbey thing, I think. Do you generally have, like, downsized expectations? Yeah. You never want to get too excited. No, I don't, you know. <laughs> it's also like, I got to do it. That's the prize. Well, that's nice, but that's definitely a place you get to. Or are you always that I way? I was always that way. No kidding. I was like, oh, I got to work with these people. I love this. I love the process. And the rest of it is sort of like, oh, like, okay. And even if something's bad, even if something fails miserably, if I had a great time doing it, oh, it was really good. That's so healthy. I wonder if that's a Broadway thing because Kristen's the same way. She doesn't know what any of her movies have made other than that she knows Frozen's in the billions. But yeah. aside from that, she has no fucking yeah. clue. I also don't watch anything that I'm in. Right. Well, theater is so process-oriented. That's the whole point of it. And so maybe you carry that on. Maybe, yeah. That's true. And there's no permanence. I know this about being at the Groundlings, which yeah. is like the show is it. Yeah. It's not like you're hoping that when those people go home, somehow that carries on for another, whatever. It's impermanent. Yeah, yeah it lives in a sort of magical little place yeah and there's something about when you do a show for the last time the last night of a show is while you like say the lines and you can literally see them float away oh wow is it sad or is it joyful it's or? sad if it's a great experience and you're fucking thrilled if it's been a nightmare <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're saying them and you're like yeah, me, get yeah, out of here. Here. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know it's fantastic so it depends you must have a one absurd, because the one thing about being on Broadway, too, <laughs> that scares me is you do the show and then it's commonplace for like if there was a senator in the audience or something, they're going to get to come talk to you. Right. And so there's a good deal of small talk involved with the job that you wouldn't right. necessarily gear yourself up for. That would be the part that would be really hard for me. Do you have any like just apex of absurdity in those years of being on Broadway where like they brought like Django's the famous chimp back there? Sure. Or <laughs> there's all of that. But then it's also what people feel they have to say to you, particularly if the show isn't maybe that good. And like, listen, people know when they're not good. Yeah. Like, I know when it's not working. I know. And like, I'm okay with that. It's just part of it. But then you get people who, they know they have to say something to you, oh, yeah. but they can't pull off saying you were really good. <laughs> they, so they're like, you. Oh, you. You. We're in it. You. Oh, my God. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> they come back and they go, how do I get out of here? I was brought oh to your room. God. Do you validate the parking? <laughs> <laughs> what was the most shocking? The door opened and you're like, oh my God, that human beings in my orbit? When Maggie Smith came. I did a play in London called My Name is Lucy Barton. And it was a one woman show. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I walked up the stairs after the show for the opening night because they do like small little gatherings and lobbies there, which is very nice. And I walked up and there was Maggie Smith. Mm. And I 
almost turned and ran. I could not believe she was there. Thank God I didn't know she was there. I'm still not quite over it. It was an amazing thing. That's awesome. Did you shoot the shit for a minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did, did you guys embrace? Yeah. <gasps> yes. Oh and we've become friends, actually. Oh my God, this is a hit. And we're about to go work together. Oh, Get the fun. fuck out of here. I know, isn't that crazy? Gosh, cool. And she wrote me a note, which I have framed. <laughs> I love it. I have it framed. Yeah. And literally, it's the thing I look to. I'm like, I don't need another good review. I don't care if I get her an award. I don't care about a nomination. Like, I have a note from Maggie Smith, basically, that says I don't suck. Ah, there you go. That's enough. It's a really nice thing That's to have. Awesome. Okay. Everyone <laughs> Do you want to hear more about the wedding we went to? Yeah. <laughs> we got more details. More there were say. other famous people there, I too. Bet. <laughs> okay, so everyone should check out part two of the last season of Ozark. What a tremendous run. I'm so glad you guys all got to do that. April 29th, check it out. Laura Linney, thanks so much for coming. It is really a pleasure. Oh, it's good. a pleasure spending time with both of you. Thank you so Nikki much. Nikki Kidman. There she Nikki is. Nikki Kitty. <laughs> good day. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, Getting ready for a marathon or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Sleep is a big deal. If you're not getting your Z's in, then it just makes everything so much more difficult and you feel a long way from the top of your game. So every now and then, not being able to get sleep and stay asleep is so annoying and you think, ah, if only there was something that could help. Well, there's sleep and then there's Natrol Sleep. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol, sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Click, tap, or visit natrol.com to shop now. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid mixer? mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room. And we just... You're just on Wayfair nonstop. Yep. Yeah, it's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast, free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. They have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Mm. 
I'm a messy boy. That's okay. It's liberating. Once we start recording in the day, mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's the priority. So I don't really care what's falling by the wayside. There's something kind of liberating, isn't it? It's like when you click into the bubble and then I, we come out of it at like 4 p.m. Yeah. And then I check. I never thought about what was not being answered. Yeah. I kind of like it. Similarly, when we're recording, I'm like, by all means necessary. If I got to be ripping through toothpicks and they fall on the ground, like, sure. it's not my priority. Nope. And then you turn over your uh, lazy boy chair. <laughs> And it looks like ferrets live in here, and they've been collecting water ca- trinkets. caps, trinkets, uh, toothpicks, yeah. empty toothpick holders. It'd be really good presents for the crow to bring somebody else, like small, mm-hmm. easy to carry. Yes. We should maybe leave the door open at night so maybe a crow can. Okay. Did I tell you about the most incredible thing I observed? I filmed it, too. Tell me. There was a National Geographic show happening in the backyard. I heard all the crows going crazy. Uh-huh. I forgot. I already forgot my crow call. I had it for a couple weeks. I go outside and I look in the sky, and these four crow are battling a hawk. So I think they must have babies somewhere, and the hawk must have been scoping the baby. This is what I'm guessing, because we have a hawk that's always here. The hawk is a tenant in the backyard. It okay. Lives, okay. It lives Pays in. Rent. Yeah. I love it because you know my dad's whole thing with the hawks, yeah. and then I'm the crow. So you got the crows over in one corner, you got the hawk in the other. I sure. love it. <laughs> Me and my dad are here, and. Uh, this went on for like an hour and a half. The hawk would get up in the air and on the crows would fly and try to bomb it. They'd never hit him. They'd yeah. get really close to him trying to scare him. And they were working in tandem as a murder. The, the <laughs> hawk didn't seem to give a shit, but they were driving really? it away. I never saw it get any eggs or young or anything. So I, know, I guess they were the successful. Hawk, the hawk's just like, oh, you guys. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> I was nervous for the hawk. I'm like, these crows are definitely, because they were this, I felt like the same size-ish. They were skanky. Okay. Yeah, we were gonna we're gonna keep the door open. We're gonna leave the door open as Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack would say. I'm gonna leave the door oh how's that song? Like just like that. Oh okay. that's right. I had a dream about Ashley Olson. Oh. Or Mary Kate. It wasn't clear in the dream, but oh. one of the twins. Okay. That's not going to do you much favor when trying to become friends with them, if you can't distinguish them. If what they hear from you is that they're interchangeable, either will do. No. Okay. I love them both. Were they both in it or just one of them? Just one. I didn't get to talk to them really, I don't think. It was more of a voyeuristic dream. It was probably Ashley. Probably, because that's who we talk about more. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I had this whole dream, and I don't remember the details, but I remember it was intoxicating. Oh, really? You don't even remember, like, were you friends with her in the dream? or Okay. I remember only one thing, which is, like, there was a picture of her in black and white. Oh, beautiful. It was beautiful. Anyway, (sighs) this was two nights ago, and yesterday was their birthday. Right. Sim. That means something. That means Sim. (laughs) Listen, I had this crazy dream about him two nights ago. Then Duck Duck Goose, it was their birthday yesterday. <laughs> That's a ding, ding, ding. But what if you don't think you could have seen it like um, at a glance that their birthday was coming up? That no. wouldn't have been announced. That's true. No. Okay. It was on Who, What, Where, a fashion site, you know, because they're fashion icons. Uh-huh. So it's just like, happy birthday to these. Fashion icons. Basically. Do you have this? So, okay, I had like this really protracted dream on Friday night about Cooper. Okay. And it was a dream that would have caused alarm. Like, you know, like I should check in on him. Oh, no. Uh-huh. It was he really was in peril? long. Well, he was he was suffering. So and oh. it was like a three, four-hour dream. It went on forever. Okay. So I text them like, 
Hey, bud. I had a really long dream about you a couple nights ago. How you doing? Now, when I send that, this is what I want to be honest about. Okay. I kind of want something bad to have been happening <gasps> to him. Dax! To prove that I'm clairvoyant and connected to him. That's Do you know what I'm saying? really bad. I know. That's why I'm, that's why I'm admitting it. Okay, but I have to still just reiterate that. Yeah, you can, you can lay on even more. <laughs> he responds like, doing great. Sends me a picture of him and his daughter. And of course, I'm relieved because I had a really bad dream. But then there's a part of me that's like, I'm not as connected to the spirit world or whatever it is as I thought I was. Because I guess when I checked in on him, I had a maybe a 12 to 24% chance of likelihood that he was going to say, oh, my God, I'm so glad you text. It wasn't like you thought maybe he was dead. No. Okay. Oh, he no, just no, needed your advice struggling. or something. He needed some help. Yeah. He needed some help. Yes, of course. Of okay. course. Yeah. All right. And again, I don't want to, it's not worth him having relapsed to be right. Let's make this very clear. This is kind of like me wanting you to get shoved or something in public so I can come unglued. I've actually been thinking about that. Well, see, I thought you would relate. That's why I brought it up. Well, I can relate to you in wanting to be connected. super hyper connected to somebody. Yes, yes. Who maybe once were. Yeah, okay. I also have been thinking about the shoving. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> This is great. You know what I know right now is like the, the what you were thinking was pretty negative, and now you're trying to like think, oh, he's going to be offended by it's that. It's not and negative. I just don't know if this is the the arena to talk about it. Oh, okay. I'll let you decide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll try it. Okay. Um, when you say you want me to get shoved, uh huh, so you can protect. Yep. I actually, even though sometimes I'm like, no, I actually like that. Oh, okay. Like, I oh, like good. that you feel like you want to be protective of me. Mm, right. But, like, I'm not going to get shoved, you know? Like, it's well, not going to. Life's long. Okay. So maybe one day I'll get shoved. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. We don't know. But I do think sometimes there are places. Oh, I know where you're going. With yeah. This, that you think I should be defending you, you. You could defend me, and I don't feel it. Sometimes oh. I feel. Not protected. Oh, okay. It, well, it would have to be in an arena that I deemed or thought or evaluated that you needed no protection. I know. And I guess that's sort of the, the thing is like for you, it's all about like the physical, the shoving. And I'm like, I don't really care. That's not really the kind of protection no, I need. I've confronted my own children when they're talking about there's your boyfriend in the Olympics. Like disagree. That's a place that I need to protect you. Sure. Because that's a pretty overwhelming thing you've experienced your whole life. And well, you're not going to pull my kids aside and say, like, don't do that. No, but I also don't need protection from your wonderful kids who I love. Like, I understand that was a moment where you, it was like, oh, oh, boy. Like, I think it was more you could see a whole picture there because of our history. I felt bad for you. Yeah, but. I didn't yeah. like the position you were in. Yes. And I had to address it, make sure my kids never put you in that position again. Right, which was nice. But I'm saying that's non-physical, but that's no, like an area physical. where I decide like if ever I'm hearing someone be vaguely racist or whatever, I will always interject and say, yeah. you know, shut the fuck up or why did you just say that or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there a, there is a, a specific example? No, I mean... No. I guess I just don't feel in general protected right now. In life? Yeah. Okay. 
Anyway. Um, Although Jess just protected you with the credit Chucky? card thing. No, from the uh, credit card scenario. Yeah, he did. It was really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ashley Olsen. I love her. <laughs> Sam, I Ashley her. Olsen. I want to be her. <laughs> uh, okay, I thought maybe Rami Malik was short for Romulus number because oh. her her dad's name is Romulus. Great name. And I thought, oh, maybe that's what Rami Malik is short for, but it's not. I like it. Also, you know, it's a city in Michigan, oh. Romulus, Michigan. I think it's a native word. It must I think be. it's Greek. Oh, you and think it, it's there's Greek? There's a lot of Greek stuff in Michigan, right? There is. Yeah, we've got a big. Well, we had. I don't know where it's at now, but we have a Greek town. It's the only town we have. We don't have like a little little Italy or a Chinatown. We have good Greek food there. Really good Greek food. What's yeah. that place called? That we went to? Olga's. Olga's. No one would really consider it. That's like um, the Greek McDonald's, <laughs> like which is why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Olga, if you're listening. Olga's after Olga, a woman so, okay, who so, owned them all. So it's not a cha- chain? It's a chain, oh. yeah. I, and, and Olga, I love you. And you're my favorite Greek food. Let me be clear. But if you're Greek and you're listening and I'm saying <laughs> Olga's is great, you're like, what the fuck are okay. you talking about? There's franchises. They can get your... Euro made in five seconds. That's not what we do. So I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to straddle. I get it. I'm picking Olga's over any Greek offerings, personally. There was some sort of dipper we got. Oh yeah, snackers. Snackers. And they've got this kind of cheese butter spread, mm. which is incredible. Mm. They also have pizza snackers. I love anything oh. that's pizza. They flavor. also have bottomless Greek salad there, which you know me. Anything bottomless, I'm you in. Love. Also, if you ever find yourself at Olga's. You can make everything triple cheese. Now, triple cheese is its own gyro. Okay. Three cheese gyro. Uh-huh. Beautiful. The gyros there are, or rather the bread mm-hmm. in, that the gyro is made with, very sweet. Pita? Pita. The pita is very sweet, very damp, mm. very pasty. It's mm. nice. Ooh, you can get just a triple pasty. cheese with some onion and some, some of the yogurt sauce that comes on there. Uh, but gang, you can you can make everything triple cheese. So you can have the original Oga, say triple cheese, oh and now God. you're getting two for one. Great hack. I will eat too much when I'm there, as I probably did in front of you. Did I? I like to get like, I can never pick and I'm never there. And I, there's three sandwiches I love. So I always get all three. Okay, yeah. And I tell myself I'm going to eat like a half or a third of each of them. And then when I leave, I realize I've eaten all of them and a couple bottomless salads. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of snackers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She said, I think I, I, I rewound it a couple times. We were talking about cruises and then also train rides she said she wanted to do the blue note. Oh. Unless oh. I'm misunderstanding what she's saying. Right. And there is a blue note cruise. Down the Mississippi? Well, it's a jazz cruise. Well, right. So maybe. Yeah. Do you know blue note? Blue note at sea? No, what? Do you know what a blue note is? A jazz thing? It's a jazz thing. And there was the best label probably ever of jazz was blue note. And a blue note, I believe, is a like a half note that was really popular in field hymns and singing oh. that got incorporated into jazz. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, there is a blue note at sea. It's a top jazz perform live on seven-day cruise. Oh. So ma- maybe that's what she was talking go, about. Uh, let's see, itinerary and port. I only know all this. Let me I just. I only know this. I took a jazz history class in 1994. Five in Santa Barbara, uh-huh. and jazz mostly started in St. Louis. Certain kind of jazz, mm-hmm. and it made its way down the Mississippi mm. to New Orleans, mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so that whole thoroughfare and the music changed as it got down there. So it would make sense that this cruise would be on the Mississippi, but you're, it's not. Fort it's not Lauderdale. a paddleboard. Am I talking out of my ass, Rob? I don't think so. Okay. There's different ports. There's Fort Lauderdale, St. Martin, St. Thomas. It's a Caribbean cruise. That's what it seems Ooh, St. Like. Kitts. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. The previous fact check. Could stop in St. Kitts. Um, okay, so all right, that's weird. I doubt that's what she wants to do, to be <laughs> I honest. Know. Yeah. Seem like, I know, yeah. that's why I'm confused. And also, I kind of think she was talking about a train ride, yeah. But then I looked into Blue Note train rides, and uh, it's not None. coming up. She must not be saying Blue Note, and I, and I misunderstood, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then, well, on this topic, I said, Don't you get sick on trains, and you said no. Yeah, they, they just vibrate. They don't, they never swerve. They have to take very gentle turns. Yeah. So there's just some vibrations, which can be stimulating. Some say you still can. Well, people get, <laughs> yeah, people get motion sick watching a movie. Yeah. Okay, but then there's this Forbes article that says you can train your brain not to get motion sick. I know you have a hack for this too, as well. Would you like to give yours? Well, I think I do. Well, I think it helps. Okay, well, I, I learned the hard way in the sand dunes. The difference between people getting sick in the sand car and not is if they're looking at the dunes out the window to the right or even looking dead ahead and they're not looking at the actual trail we're on Yeah, because the the movement comes out of nowhere from them. They yeah. can't figure out what path we're on and all of a sudden we're just in a bowl. But if you know it's coming – your brain adjusts. I think and, that's really right. And then even more, I then, data point number two is the Tesla. Yep. The kids get super sick in it. Me and too. I think it's because they feel acceleration without their brain having heard the audio to warn them acceleration's coming. Calvin gets sick in cars that are not Teslas. That's well, a lot bullshit. of people get regular yeah. motion you're, sick. You know, you know <laughs> you're hearing Rob's and like, he was a I'm, Mac I'm guy, now he's a Tesla no, guy. No, no, this, is, this is propaganda. He's oh. thrown up four times in the car, and he loves going fast in the Tesla. Okay. And okay. doesn't get sick. Rob, most people, <laughs> most people, I get so sick in a Tesla. It is not for me. It's not for you. Elon. Right. Uh, but. Again, the Porsche Taycan, the cool thing about that is they put this fake noise in there. So you hear acceleration before you experience it. And that didn't happen when I had that car for a couple of weeks. But I don't ever, I don't get sick in Kristen's electric car. Hers makes more noise. Okay. Yeah. Hers is not as bad. Huh. It's also not as fast. So it's not like you get mm. that crazy acceleration mm. sensation. Yeah. Ooh, acceleration sensation. Hmm. A recent, although I don't know when this was, but study from Britain's University of Warwick suggests that we can train our brains to be far less susceptible to motion sickness with the help of simple visuospatial exercises. Visuospatial ability refers to the capacity to identify visual and spatial relationships among objects. We rely on visuospatial, I don't know if I'm saying that right, visuospatial function for all kinds of activities throughout our day. Every time we reach for an object, do a jigsaw puzzle, hit a baseball with a bat, or gauge the empty space between two cars in a parking lot. One in three people are susceptible to motion sickness. With the University of Dion Warwick. With the University of Warwick, researchers predict that that number will rise as self-driving cars become prevalent. Sure. It is expected that due to potential designs and use cases, self-driving cars will increase motion sickness, onset likelihood, and severity for many car travelers. This research develops a novel visuospatial training tool and explores the effect of visuospatial training on motion sickness. Okay. 
The study included 42 test subjects, both male and female. To get a baseline, participants were taken for virtual car rides in a 3D simulator and actual mm. rides. I know that sounds horrible. Yeah, I want to puke already. And actual rides on an on-road vehicle. During the rides, the participants rated their degree of motion sickness. For the next two weeks, the group was split in two. Half of the participants did nothing. The second group spent 15 minutes per day doing pen and paper visuospatial training exercises. Oh, my Lord. These training exercises included paper folding reasoning tasks, identifying embedded images within drawings. Oh, magic eye. Yeah. I'm horrible at that. Interesting. Yeah. And mental rotation tasks where the participant compares 3D objects often rotated in some axis and tries to find those that match. Mm, I would oh, love this exercise. God. At the end of the two weeks, the study participants were taken for rides again. While there was little change in the control group, those in the brain train group reported 51% less motion sickness in the simulator and 58% less motion sickness on the road in real life situations. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, think about it this way. I've never in my life, I've been around people getting motion sick, you know, I don't know, a thousand times in 47 yeah. years. I've never heard the driver of anything getting exactly. motion sickness because they know what's coming. Same. It's always like sit in the front mm -hmm. and then it'll be left. Hold the steering wheel. Put your foot on the gas. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so that's a good hack, though. Yeah, you just got to get your hands on all these training exercises. Okay, so real quick, we touched on the house prizes in Atlanta because she shot Ozark there. Mm -hmm. I got some intel from my mom. Oh, great. Okay, so my parents bought their house in 1997 for $162,000. 97? Uh-huh. Okay, 25 years ago mm -hmm. for one... 162. 162. Okay, mm -hmm. 162. 25. And today, she's according to Zillow, yeah, okay. it's worth 525. Oh, baby. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's 3X. And it majorly jumped within like this past year. Right. Major. More than 3X. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. You should buy it out from under them. Uh, our friends, Angela who I love in Austin, they're in the same situation. Like they bought this house and it's, I think it's five X'd. Wow. And they're like, you know, like we want to be able to capitalize on this, but we want to stay in Austin. So what's the, you know, what exactly. can you do? Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess you got to go to like a little more up and coming area. By the way, East Austin, where we were at getting all those fun meals. Yeah. Is it cheaper there? It's cheaper there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because it mean, is up and coming. Oh, baby. Hang on tight. That is a rocket ship, East Austin. Well, we talked about this in today's episode, so I don't. We don't need to talk about it again. What? Uh, the dogs. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> you wanted to clear your your good name. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll be in a trial some point. I know. Well, that's the thing. I don't want to be the the face. the face of people who don't like dogs. That's yeah. not what I'm trying to do at all um but i'm just allowed to have that opinion of course you are um let's try to make an argument for them i know the argument what is the argument they, i mean they're defenseless animals and i'm being mean about you're them. not being mean to not like something isn't the same as disliking something well i think david and i said they weren't smart they're not i mean they are relative Thank to you. other mammals but exactly yeah they, they can't do trig they don't read. Compared to humans, they're real dumb. That's exactly. right. Compared and, to orangutans, they're really dumb. And because, you know, some people were like, service dogs are so smart. And I'm like, they're smarter. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
and look, like when we had um, Ed Yong on, of course, I was like, oh my God, some of They're them brilliant. can smell cancer. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's exciting. But you know what else can detect cancer? Technology that humans have made right. and with more accuracy. We're the apex thinkers for sure. I think we agree on that. And I think it's great. But dogs are great. I, I want to put it. <laughs> I, I love dogs. I want to like, let's hold on though. I'm, I'm going to try to be them. Okay. So. I love you, let's say. Mm -hmm. I want to be friends with you. Mm -hmm. I think we would be great friends. Mm -hmm. I love my dog. And I always have my dog everywhere with me. And you don't like dogs. And so this is a thing that's between us now. It's preventing us from being best friends because I, I love dogs. And they're so nice. And mm -hmm. so we're just never going to share that. In fact, it's probably going to be a hurdle. You're not going to want to come to my house and if I come to your house, I can only be there for four hours because I go home and let the dog out. Like, I think maybe you just, without anyone consciously thinking all those thoughts, mm -hmm. they think, oh my God, I can't accept that she doesn't like dogs because it'd be this huge barrier for us. And so when they're trying to get you to like dogs, they're really saying, I want to be friends with you. Okay, that's nice. And also, if you can only be friends with someone who thinks exactly like you, then we're probably not going to be friends anyway. Well, but it's more than just think like you. It's that there's an actual person involved, a dog in this case. Yeah, don't, please so don't like call you like, the person. I know, but if you hate kids, you declare, I hate being around kids. Mm -hmm. And I have kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well. That we would should, be a problem. Yeah. We should do a spinoff race show where you get a dog for two months. <laughs> oh, wow. No, because then I would have to give it up or something. Well, you Here, can adopt. You can do like the temporary. Well, here's the thing thing. I also want to make clear. Last week or two weeks ago or something, Molly. And also another thing to make clear. All of my friends have dogs oh. and multiple dogs. So it's not like that has, really is true. Yeah. It's not affected any of these friendships. Well, I endure the dogs. I can get more personal. I'll take some hate mail. Okay. So. We've had kind of a long break from the mass pod hangout. And so we had a, enough people over a couple weeks ago that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can go back to this. Mm. I just had a blanket feeling of, I don't know if I can go back to this. And it was actually the next day that I realized, oh, it had nothing to do with the people. There were too many fucking dogs at the house and two dogs got in a fight and then one's not supposed to be inside, one can be outside. And the kids, and this dog's gotta be in a cage. because And I realized I want all the people to come over, but I can't have all the dogs anymore. And so I actually had to say that this weekend. Like I said it to Eric, I'm like, please come over. Let's go swim, let's have fun. I said, but I can't, I can't, I don't think I can do the dogs. And I felt terrible about that because I know what a big deal it is. Friends with big dogs are annoying though. We have, a, we have friends that have to bring their big dogs. And by the way, their big dog's the nicest of all the dogs. Yeah, we... Pee Pee, who got a carcass, if everyone remembers. But their little dog, who's so cute and sweet, other dogs fuck with her because she's tiny. And then she gives them hell. It's funny. That she's she's tough. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's too it's, it's, it's chaos. a big chaotic that's barking and this one's running around. And it's just like I there's already too many kids running around for me. I'm on the verge of too many kids. Yeah. You add in six, seven dogs. It's a big to do when there's a dog that has to come with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that's gonna do to my standing in our group, but I'm kind of saying I don't want a bunch of dogs over anymore. And that's gonna be an issue. I understand because it it's disruptive in a way that if people who don't have that 
Yeah. They don't understand. And I, so, it doesn't bother them. You know, that's the no, truth. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It like does they're not, not. Kristen and Molly could care less if those dogs uh, are fighting or Laura, whatever. Laura, all of, like, yeah. they don't care, which is great. Like, that yeah. just, their equilibrium is different on yeah. that. I wish scale. I was that calm. Same, but yeah. I'm not. To me, there's too many variables. I can't control any of this. Yeah. You can also leave your dog at home. We have a dog and we never bring it places. <laughs> well, that's another that, that's, polarizing. Yeah. But no, th these are all things that we said on the show that yeah. then backfire. Yes. And it's, it's, um, well, listen, it's my opinion. Also, some people are, um, there's a lot of people that listen. Some of them are cuckoo. So, like me and um, Meta World Peace talking about how we'd protect ourselves from a cougar handful of people were like stop talking about murdering beautiful cats it's like yeah. hold on i'm not hunting beautiful cats yeah i'm saying if i get attacked by one i'd prefer to be the one that lives yes how am i going to handle this situation yeah. i live across the street from a very large cat yeah it could happen yeah okay <laughs> did you see he commented on one of your posts recently about the cougar being loose yes oh my god yeah that's so funny <laughs> It was a call to arms. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Be on the lookout. It's a cat whistle. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah. So, but it it hurt my feelings. There we go. There's some vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt my feelings, and um. And you probably thought that this this love is conditional. You only like me if I like these dogs. Well, yeah. No, it did feel like oh my god, like I lost everyone. Yes, exactly. I feel that way often. I think for me, I mean, like for everyone, I guess, because everyone wants acceptance. But for me, like when we, so we just had someone on to talk about white power. Mm -hmm. Easter egg coming up. Uh, yeah. Great episode. I was thinking a lot in that episode about why I felt something deeper than I just wanted to be liked because I was different. It was like I wanted to be liked because if I wasn't, I could be hurt. Mm -hmm. It was actually a not just survival socially. It was like a deeper survival. Right. It's um, dangerous to be the other. Like on a primitive level, you know that. Yeah. And when you said you mentioned something about skin or we talked all about skinheads and I hadn't thought about that word in so many years. And as soon as it came up, I was like, Oh my God, I used to be so scared of them. Right. Yeah. 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 And like, what if I was out at the grocery store and there was a skinhead yeah, there who looked over and thing. saw this yeah. brown person? They hated me. Especially one that's defenseless. That's their favorite kind of person to attack. So I just had this remembering of like, oh yeah, that that's not just like I wanted French, I, you know, I wanted acceptance from my peers. It was like, for my life, I need to be liked. Yeah. And then today, that, this morning, I was like, oh, my God, no one likes me anymore. Yes. And it felt like. Triggers that other survival fear. Survival fear. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway. So those people. So just so we're clear, the summation of this is that whoever said they're mad that you don't like dogs is a racist skinhead. No, yes. That's not what <laughs> I said. That is not what I said at all. <laughs> anyway. I'm sensitive too, Monica. I just want to tell you. I know that. Yeah. I'm what do just, you mean? I'm, I'm bonding with you. I'm letting you know. You shouldn't feel bad. I'm sensitive too. I read things and I they bother me. Yeah. It's yeah. bothersome. Makes yeah. me sad. Also, Molly posted something a couple of weeks ago about a dog that was going to get killed that day. Oh, boy. If it didn't, I know. If it didn't get fostered or it's adopted. like a petition to the governor before they electrocute someone. And of course, I looked at this and I was like, ugh. Now you feel bad. So then I texted her. Uh-oh. And I was like, what's happening with the dog? 
Yeah. And she said it got fostered. But I was going to do it. You were. Just foster. After all that. Well, because no, because I don't. This is my point. I don't want them to be killed. I'm not evil. I just have opinions on the way people handle dogs. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't have to. Thank God. (laughs) Not yet. I know. Now I'm going to get so many. You should just unfollow Molly. It's too stressful. It'd be easier just to unfollow. Just start ghosting her. No. So that's that. That's that. Do you have any updates? Oh, okay. In a way that's it's the reverse of sensitive. Mm-hmm. I looked at the comments for Danny, and there were so many nice comments about Lincoln and Delta. That's nice. And I felt this weird feeling I can't feel for myself. Mm-hmm. But of course, the fact that people liked my little ones who I love so much made me feel so happy. That's good. Yeah. So this is the opposite of the dog thing, but I just was like, oh, that. Yeah, my little buddies. Yeah. Other people like my little buddies. And then it led to more singing, of course, of that song. She's since you've heard it, mm-hmm. I've heard it in the oh, hundreds of times. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a good one. All right, I love you. Love you. We are supported by Intuit, the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you in. Yeah, on. they don't gonna, teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources like getting a car loan with Credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education.